welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we return to our deep dive into what goes on behind every major TV writing program as we now take a look at the Nickelodeon animation writing program. And to do that, we are joined by a very special guest, Catherine Wells, who is the manager of creative talent development and outreach for the Nickelodeon writing program. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here virtually, of course. And uh, like with all our episodes on the TV running programs, we will be covering everything from the application process and the selection process to the program itself and what comes after. So let's get started. First off, could you give us just a brief history and overview of the Nickelodeon Animation Writing Program? Sure. The Nick Writing Program is now in its 20th year, so it's been around for a while. The program seeks out aspiring TV writers with unique voices from underrepresented communities. Um, We provide those chosen writers with the opportunity to hone their skills and launch their careers as writers on um, Nickelodeon scripted live action and animated TV productions. The submission period is coming up is why we're excited to talk to you today. Uh, submission period opens July 1st and runs through August 1st. And on that note, why do you feel writers programs like uh, the Nickelodeon writing program are so important to the industry, especially being kind of the only major program focused on animation and kids content uh, recently? First of all, I think that all these writing programs or all the different talent development programs that we have out there are working to break down barriers. The industry in general is heavily dependent on finding jobs through relationships. The Nick Writing Program works to provide a a way for writers to get in based on their talent and not necessarily on who you know, right? So we do blind readings through the first two rounds of review to ensure that we're narrowing the pool based on talent and nothing else. And I think as it relates to animation or kids content, programs like ours are important for outreach to provide awareness that these jobs do exist because most writers are not consuming kids' content unless they have kids themselves. So it might not be top of mind when they're considering our company as an entry point. Well, let's talk a little bit about the application process for Nickelodeon. Can you walk us through the process and what is needed to apply? The Nickelodeon Writing Program is free to apply. You can go to our website, nickwriting.com, where we have a lot of information there about you know what we're looking for, what the submission specs are, and there's also a link to our submission platform. Submission period opens July 1st and runs through August 1st, so we're giving people plenty of time <laughs> to get in there, look over the application, see what all the requirements are, and lots of time for you to kind of think about what it is you want to include in your submission. We have a something a little bit new this year. We are requiring two writing samples up front. We always ask for a spec script from our accepted shows list. And we always ask for a second writing sample kind of when we get to the semifinalist stage. But this year we're asking for both samples up front. So that's a little bit new. So everyone pay attention. <laughs> Polish those pilots. So yeah, the second sample is going to be an original comedy pilot. We'll get back to those samples in a moment. But before that, we noticed that you added the opportunity to also pick a track from the onset between general track and the preschool track. Can you walk us through the differences and reasons to select one over the other? So the two tracks are somewhat similar in the development aspect of it. And we even combined the accepted shows list for both tracks. So both programs are pulling from the same accepted shows list. So the preschool track is fairly new. And we found that whether it's for preschool or big kids, that we're looking for the same skill set. 
So if a writer wants to focus on a preschool audience, it really made more sense to identify writers with great comedy chops that understand storytelling. And we work with them within the program to distill that into what we need for preschool. So that's really the main difference is sort of like where the writer wants to go. And if preschool is really looking for writers specifically, that's another reason why we provided this track. And the website also mentions the the United States program and an international program. Is the international program still happening? If so, what is that? The international program is still happening. The international branch of the program was designed to extend our outreach and service of our global partners. The international branch is open for applications, but we don't always select a writer. The conditions have to be right to take someone. There's a lot of things that we have to work through. It's a little more complicated to bring in an international writer, especially right now. Um, So (laughs) all those conditions have to be sort of in the right place and we have to have the right candidate, right? So we are always taking and reviewing submissions for the international branch as well. And uh, moving on to the content of the application uh, itself, you mentioned uh, that applicants now must submit both a spec script and an original comedy pilot. What went behind the decision to ask for these two samples up front? Well, first of all, we know that a spec script in general lets us see that a writer is capable of adapting writing in someone else's voice and whether or not they can still write a strong script in that adaptation, right? We started taking pilots last year as a second sample because the industry has kind of been leaning towards that way. Like this is what showrunners want to see in a portfolio when they're doing the hiring. So to kind of service both pieces of it, we started asking for a pilot. So this year we're asking for both of those pieces up front because we're looking for applicants that are writing all the time and have a body of work, quite frankly, right? So it really saves everybody a lot of time on the front end, just going ahead and uploading their both of those samples. When we get to the semifinal stage, we don't have people panicking like, well, I have to submit a second sample, right? Like we want you to submit good work, right? That you put time into. So yes, I think this is going to be a benefit for everyone. And are there any rules about who is eligible or not eligible uh, for the program in terms of applicants? Anyone over the age of 18 can apply. There's no schooling or formal training required. You do have to be eligible to work in the U.S. because the Nick writing program is a full-time job. The writers come in, they're working Monday through Friday, nine to five. So is the Nick program considered a diversity program? And if so, what is the program's definition of diversity? Our team does work under the guidance of global inclusion at Viacom CBS, and we are looking for writers with diverse voices from underrepresented communities, as I mentioned before. Um, So we really try to lean into the inclusion part of diversity and inclusion. We don't have a diversity requirement to apply, but that is really what we're looking for in a writer sample, right? A diverse voice, a unique story, something that's different that's going to like really plus what we have here at Nickelodeon. And looking at those specs, how do you decide which shows are accepted or not? Is it based on the popularity of the shows or how applicable they are to uh, Nick's content? Or is there uh, another factor at play? This year, the accepted shows list, we really leaned into the kids and family genre. Our program really services the kids and family brand of Viacom CBS, and we're looking for people that can write with a good comedy voice and family friendly because a lot of 
kids TV is really going to co-viewing now. So it's always really important for us to have writers that can write good stories. They can tell good stories. That's kind of like what we did with Except Show. Now every show on there is a family friendly show, but we really sort of tried to lean into that this year. So. And what are the most important things you're looking for in a spec episode of an existing show? What makes them stand out? Some of the criteria that we have when we're reviewing specs are humor. I think humor is the most important thing really for us right now. Is your story funny? <laughs> if we aren't laughing out loud by page two or w- within the first act, really, it's not ready to submit. The writers that we're looking for are people that have been writing a lot. So we're not looking to train people when they come to this program. We're looking to sort of like hone their talent and really sort of like take them over the finish line, so to speak. So we're looking to see that you understand script format, story structure. Does the story structure in your spec follow what the show is that you're specking? We look for character voice and dialogue. That's all really important. And originality of premise, right? Is this something that we've seen before? Are you just sort of copying instead of writing a spec? You don't want to take the show off the rails necessarily, but we do want to see that you're able to put your voice into a different show styles. And uh, conversely, what are the most important things that you look for in that original pilot sample? Uh, Is it about the originality of the voice or sort of a great execution of a TV episode or something else? For the original pilot, I think first we're looking for originality of voice. The pilot is really the opportunity for you to showcase what your voice is and you putting your story into whatever that pilot is, looking for compelling characters. That's a huge part of really any TV script, right? Compelling characters. We need those. Those are really important. So looking for that, something that's going to carry us through the pilot. And then some of the same things that we're looking for in the spec, right? Are you understanding script format, story structure, the originality of your pilots? And what are some common mistakes that you see people make when they're submitting their spec or their application? Not following directions. (laughs) (laughs) Every program is different. So I think it's really important to have applicants pay attention to what those requirements are. I kind of liken it to like when you're checking out of the grocery store, like everything is different. Some places you have to put your card in and punch a number and some places you punch a number, then put your card in, right? It's different. (laughs) And so you have to really sort of think about what you're doing and be mindful of where you're going. It's not just like a one-off thing like, okay, I'm just going to do this real quick and be done with it, right? So those kind of candidates that we're looking for are people that are being careful and thinking through what they're doing and paying attention to those details. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest sort of like overarching or problem that we see in applications. And can you walk us through what the reading process is like for those samples? Is there some sort of scoring system, different reads? Uh, How do you approach that? We have three rounds of reading. They all use the same criteria, uh, which I just kind of touched on. Each round is the same criteria. We are looking for consensus from round to round, right? If you can get three people to agree that your script is good enough to make it into the program, I think that stands for a strong script. You know, it's people reading, so it can be somewhat subjective sometimes. So I think it's good to have multiple people reading throughout the process and each round kind of as we narrow down the pool of submissions. So moving on to the essay, how do you choose that prompt for the uh, personal essay questions and what do those tend to look like? 
So we have three little sections on the applications where we're asking writers to kind of submit what you could maybe consider like another writing sample. We have the short bio, which is where we want you to tell us your story. Not sort of like, I went to school here and I went to school there or did this or I lived there. But tell us your story, right? What, what makes you unique and what's unique about your voice? We have these two short answer questions, which are basically just that. You know, it's another opportunity for us to sort of dig in a little more specifically about why you think you're a good fit for the program. Like, what is it about this program that interests you, right? So the language that might be changed from year to year, but it's not something that you necessarily have to spend a lot of time writing prose about, but just opportunities for us to know a little bit more about the applicant. They're very short. So I know a lot of people are always really concerned about the essay questions. They're just short answer questions. I think no more than 50 words. So, And what do you feel makes a strong response to those essay questions? I think it's important for a writer to know how to communicate what their story is and what makes their voice unique. A lot of what we do in the program is helping people find their voice. So we're not looking for perfection at this point. We just want to know that we have something to work with, right? That you have somewhat of an idea of who you are and what you bring to the table. What about your voice is something that maybe we've never seen before, right? So a lot of what we invite a lot of writers to do is take a look and see if like, if there's something about yourself that you don't see represented on TV, these type of programs are a great way to get in there and change that. And you telling us how you plan on doing that is a great thing to put into your bio. So yeah. And in terms of that resume and bio that you're looking at, what sort of things help people stand out on there? Is it possible to be under or overqualified for the program? I always say, you know, the resume is important. We don't want people to ask us that all the time. Do I have to submit a resume if I don't have work experience in the industry? And yes, we ask for a resume. So please give us one, even if it has nothing to do with the entertainment industry. The resume is just a piece of information for us to know what your experiences have been. We aren't necessarily basing your movement into the program on the resume, but it is helpful for us to know like what your experiences have been. The resume doesn't determine if you're ready to apply or be in the program. It's the body of work that really gets you in. So the resume is just a bit of information that's helpful to us. As far as being overqualified, I think one way of looking at that is to say that if you are already a working writer or in a writer's room or have writing credits, the program probably isn't right for you. So I don't know that necessarily you're overqualified to be in the program, but you're going to find the program to be somewhat remedial maybe. So in that sense, then yes, maybe you are overqualified if you have already worked in the system, so to speak, right? So. And are there parts of the application that are more weighted than others, or is it more of a holistic perspective? It's definitely a holistic perspective, but the spec script is really the most important piece to get you moving through the review process. So the script really is the most weight that you should be concerned with. Obviously, the pilot would be important because, you know, that will be your second writing sample. But I would say the third piece that's really important that you should really spend a lot of time on is writing your short bio, kind of crafting how you want to tell your story, because that's really what's going to be our first opportunity to sort of spark some interest in you as an individual, right? And is there anything in the application that people maybe spend too much time worrying about that they shouldn't? 
I think the two pieces, and I might have already mentioned them, is just like worrying about what their resume looks like. It's fine. <laughs> we know this is an entry level point, right? And the other thing is about the two essay questions. We get tons of questions all the time about the essay questions. I feel like people are really worried about that, but there's no right or wrong answer. For those short answer questions, they are just another place for you to provide more information about yourself and where you're coming from. All right, let's move on to the selection process. And uh, firstly, can you walk us through that selection process? How many rounds, how many people are sort of whittled down and so forth? We usually get in the area of 2,000 entries during our 30-day submission period. The first round of reading will narrow down to about 100 submissions. Uh, Round two, we'll cut it down to maybe around 30. I mean, these aren't exact numbers because it just sort of like depends from year to year, but ballpark. Then there's a third round of reading, which are in-house readers. And we narrow the pool down to about 12 to 15 semifinalists at that point. The first two rounds of reading, we have script analysts that we hire that have been working with us for years that are familiar with the program, that know what we're looking for. And they're our trusted allies in this process. So um, we put a lot of faith in the work that they're doing. And they're really good at bringing us the scripts that speak to what we're looking for at Nickelodeon. And what are you looking for in each round? How do you kind of decide who makes the cutoff? Well, we have the set criteria and it's the same criteria through each round. So I think just to sort of recap, it's humor. Are you capturing the voice of the show while still maintaining an original idea, looking for basically like structure, story structure and script format. So I think those are kind of really the biggest criteria that we look at. And each round is really the same, but we're kind of looking for consensus, right? And even though we have our script analyst reading round one and round two, it's different people reading in each round, reading those scripts, right? So we're getting different opinions and different thoughts on there. And looking at those tracks, is there a balance to try to get between preschool or general writers and, and sort of the makeup of the finalists? Not necessarily. Uh, we can typically take up to four writers in the program. But the program is flexible. We take a different number of writers each year based on the studio's needs, based on the applicants that we get. Our program, we really work hand in hand with all the different productions at Nickelodeon, the people in development, the execs, trying to make sure that the talent we're bringing in is sort of meeting the studio's needs at that given time. I mean, as you know, the industry is very (laughs) fluid. So we're always kind of like able to kind of move with that and provide what we think the studio can use best. And uh, once the writers get through to those later rounds, are there any more samples that you ask for or that's it? It's just that original and that spec that they submitted first off? Yes, it's just the original and the spec that they Mm -hmm. submit in the beginnings. No surprises this year. (laughs) (laughs) How do you conduct those interviews in the selection rounds? I'm assuming at this point, it's going to be over the phone or over Zoom, but how do you sort of uh, speak with the applicants and what do those interviews look like? We have three rounds of interviews. We have a phone interview, an in-person interview, which will now be done by video call, I'm sure, (laughs) (laughs) and a finalist round of interviews. Traditionally, the finalist interviews are done as a speed interview. 
and the finalists will come to the studio and participate in a series of interview over three days. And it's a big thing. And, you know, we, they have the opportunity to meet like tons of people while they're there and see the campus. So it's all very fun and exciting, but obviously I don't know that we're necessarily going to be able to do that this year. So we're monitoring the COVID restrictions to see how we're going to manage this seed interview process. If we have to do it over video, we have the capability of doing that. I think that we've all sort of moved into this new Zoom environment. (laughs) And so, yeah, we can do that. We have the capability of doing that. I think there's always some, like a lot of energy that sort of gets passed around when you're doing things in person. So we'll have to adapt to that. And hopefully, you know, this time next year, we'll be back to normal, but we'll see. We, we, I mean, that's one thing that's really key to everything that we do is we have a set curriculum. We have set process, but we have to be flexible and move and kind of change things with Mm -hmm. the environment that's around us in the industry and, you know, just with this pandemic and everything in general. So yes, we're ready to do that if we need to. What are you looking for in those interviews? What kind of questions are you asking of the, the candidates? Most of the interviews that we're doing, let's see, we're just trying to get to know the candidates. We already know that their samples are good, so we're not asking them a ton of questions about their writing. We might want to know about their writing process and what makes them tick and how do things work for them, right? Getting to know them as individual writers and as people, right? What are they good at? What are they going to be good in a room? What are their strengths and weaknesses? Not that any of those things are going to weigh necessarily like say, oh, you're not going to be in because you do this or that. It's sort of like helping us formulate how we're going to set up a program for you. And do we have the capability of providing you with what you need to develop into a staff writer, right? And uh, what are some common mistakes you feel people make during those interviews? First off, I feel like there are no mistakes as long as you bring your true self. The interview process is just for us to get to know you. And there is no right or wrong answer in that regard. I will say candidates should be ready to present their own story. I think sometimes it's really hard to talk about ourselves, even though we're writing about other characters all the time. But that's an important part of the interview process for any kind of job, really, right? Writers should be ready to talk about their work and answer any of these questions that we might pose to them. So it's really like knowing yourself and coming ready to do that. But I will also say (laughs) egregious mistakes that can be made are like not being on time, not being prepared, not following instructions, not looking at the calendar, (laughs) you know, (laughs) those types of little things that all kind of like create red flags when you're in the interview process are probably where any kind of mistakes might lie if they were to be made. So, And in terms of when you're making those final selections or who's actually going to make it through to the program, uh, what do you think are some of the key things that make those people stand out and you think that they're the right ones? So the writers that stand out are usually the ones that are comfortable talking about their work and about themselves. In this business and in the writer's room, you have to speak up when it's your time to speak up and you have to know what that is. You have to know who you are and what you bring to the table. So those things are really important in the interview process as well, because that sort of gives us a hint as to like what you're capable of, what your comfort level is, where your baseline is. And again, 
if you're not coming in and like knocking it out of the ballpark, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get in. It just gives us an idea of where we need to start when you come into the program, what we need to work with you on, right? The spec and the pilot, the samples are also so very important. We keep that in mind as we go through the interview process. So it's really looking at the writer holistically at that point and saying, okay, they were great here. They weren't great there. Is this something we can work with? Is the program going to help them? Maybe the program doesn't have the right structure to help them with certain things. So there's a lot of thought that goes into it. It's not just having a great script or just having a great interview, right? Do you encourage people who have applied previously to reapply? And what lessons should people take away based on how far they've made it before? Yes, absolutely. They should reapply. Writers keep on writing. And the more you write, the more you will grow and improve. I think that timing is everything not only in comedy, but in life as well. (laughs) So you have to keep that in mind. So it doesn't mean that necessarily your stuff was bad or it wasn't good enough. It just could also just be sort of like a timing issue, right? So I say if you're a writer, you're going to keep on writing. And yes, we do ask for a new sample each time that you apply. If this is really your passion, you're not going to be like, oh man, I got to write another sample, right? You're going to be like, yes, I'm going to do it. I have plenty of opportunities. I have the drive, the passion, I have stories to tell, right? So yes, I do encourage people to keep applying. I don't know necessarily what lessons they would take away based on how far they made it, but I think that there is a sense of confidence that you can have in being notified that you made it to the semifinals. We don't give feedback to any of the applicants But once you get to the semifinalists round, there is a little more back and forth and we're not necessarily going to give you notes on your script, but we have the opportunity to get to know you and can sort of like guide you in ways of getting that feedback, maybe connecting you with other people that will be able to do that. Maybe some of our alumni or guiding that process. So just to be clear, we don't give them notes on their submissions. But yeah, once you get to the semifinal stage, it's a little bit different. And there's a little more conversation back and forth as to sort of like where you are and what you're doing, right? So we don't Mm -hmm. like to leave people hanging at that point. And do you sort of track internally how many times people have applied in previous years? And does that sort of help or hinder them when you're coming to that decision-making process? We don't really track it, but it is trackable. So when people get to the semifinalist stage, I always find it interesting to go in and see, (laughs) but it doesn't really weigh one way or the other on whether they're going to move further through the process or not. I think it's more just informational. It's fun when someone gets in and we're like, ah, they applied four times and here they are. It's so great, right? So... Let's move on to the program itself. And uh, firstly, what do you see as the unique strengths of your program that sets it apart from all the other ones? Well, the Nick Writing Program is a full-time paid opportunity to come to Nick and work. It's Monday through Friday, nine to five, you know, so to speak. That's very different than a lot of the other programs. I think there's maybe just one other that's doing the same kind of like full employment thing. The curriculum is quite rigorous because they're there full-time every day. The writers start off by writing and rewriting their scripts within a strict schedule and notes process. You know, we're trying to get them used to what it's like to be a TV writer. They polish their spec and their pilot that they submitted. Um, We want them to walk out of the program with a portfolio. 
So we kind of punch those up. The writers also, we work with them on creating a professional network at the studio. Um, we set up meet and greets for them and, you know, which we're all doing over a video call right now. And we introduce them to everyone, right? Or as many people as we can from assistants to execs, to writers, to show creators, just trying to give them the opportunity to find where their connection points are, right? Like who they're hitting it off with. They attend various writing related workshops and classes. Um, we're looking to hone their skills with these opportunities. Like they go to improv, try to work on their pitching abilities. I think improv really helps with that. Um, improv helps them with, you know, kind of like coming up with ideas for stories and really building their confidence and speaking up. The program is really kind of operates at a boot camp pace. So all these things that are happening, we're really layering them on, right? You're doing a workshop and going to improv and working on your spec and then sort of like layering all these different activities on and just trying to kind of get you or the writer into this headspace where it's like, I can handle anything that's thrown at me, right? We're working with them on the professional side. Like, can you meet deadlines? Are you communicative? You know how to use Outlook? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stuff like that. Those sort of like baseline skills of working in a professional environment as opposed to just being a writer writing at home, right? And you sort of touched on a few of these things, but can you just give us an idea of what that Monday to Friday looks like for people once they're in the program? What sort of things are they doing and the time commitment? So we try to model it as if you were a staff writer, right? So we have like come in at this time and leave at this time. Obviously, I know that the muse strikes when the muse strikes. So if they want to write outside of those hours, that's fine too. But um, we're trying to create that structure of what it's like working in the studio. So yeah, they're coming in, you know, we have weekly meetings and we have the meet and greets all set up. Even in a work from home environment, we encourage them to sort of like keep those same professional hours so that you're kind of getting into the mindset of working in a collaborative environment. How do you anticipate your program will shift and adapt to the changes in the industry following the COVID-19 epidemic? Well, the program curriculum is flexible, right? And can differ from year to year. Uh, We have a base format that is known to work, but as new opportunities and challenges, as it were, for the program comes up, we can flex to incorporate new experiences for the writers I mean, we were on the track when we all got sent home to shelter in place. Like the writers had just completed a master class in TV writing and we're taking improv classes. But as soon as we got sent to work from home, like we immediately pivoted that and they did a full writer's room that was completely virtual, right? And so I know a lot of writer's rooms now are really done over these like video calls, Zoom meetings, blue jeans, whatever. That was our first thought and doing that. And we're like, okay, great. This is also what the industry is doing. So we in the program are trying to mimic what the experience is like in the industry. So, you know, we are aware of what's happening and trying to stay on top of all the changes that are happening so quickly. And and so that's the experience that we'll provide. I think, you know, a lot of people were bummed out when we had to go to work from home, but I was like, you know what, but this is great because you're flexing with everybody else. You're not sitting at home going, I wonder what, how everything is changing, right? You're getting the opportunity to experience that. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's been great. It's, it's no, never boring, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Especially in this climate. Yeah. Uh, well, to that point, how do you sort of prepare those writers for the business of TV writing, especially pitching themselves and being in a room and that collaborative environment? 
the first thing I always like to refer back to is like we, I think it's so important is the improv training um, that kind of gets them in that space where it's like listening skills, speaking skills, like coming up with ideas and sort of being in that collaborative work environment. We also, throughout the program, all the little things that we do with professional development, right? We work with the writers on their personal branding and sort of pitching them, I'm doing air quotes, pitching themselves, right? How to introduce themselves, how to talk about themselves. We work closely with internal talent, sort of like creating some, you know, one year we had a pitching boot camp and we worked with live action to have the writers sort of go through what that experience is like, right? Developing a pitch and sitting in a room and pitching to people that they don't really know that well, right? And so our curriculum is set up so that we're trying to expose the writers to all these different experiences, make them a little more comfortable, when the real thing does come around. And are the writers working on new pilots during the program? And uh, who are they kind of getting notes and feedback from on all of that? Writing a new pilot is not part of our curriculum, but they are polishing their spec and their pilot that they submitted to the program to make those really strong samples. They work with a script consultant going through that process and really kind, kind of learning how to take notes, how to incorporate notes, how to push back on a note, right? How to really have that creative back and forth. So that's a really important piece of what they're doing in our um, program as well as sort of all the other development aspects of it. And what do you feel are ways to best use and make the most of the program once you are in it? I think it's really important for writers in the program to trust the process. We have a well-defined curriculum and sort of a process that we kind of put them through and it can be really challenging oftentimes but the way that we have the program set up which wasn't designed by me right my predecessor um, really kind of developed the program into what it is today but it works and sometimes like when you are going through this sort of like growth process, it can be a little difficult and sometimes painful. But I always tell people like, trust the process. We're here to help you. We're here to support you. Everyone at Nickelodeon and in the program, we're all gunning for everyone that comes through this program, right? So we're here to advocate for them, to help them and to really build them into strong, staffable writers and to give every opportunity their best shot. It can be tiring. It can be exhausting. I mean, we really sort of do this boot camp environment to get people into shape, so to speak. But um, I think you just have to grasp every opportunity as if it were your last and give it your best shot and take time to build true relationships. I think that's another piece that that's really hard for not just writers, but any creatives is sort of like putting yourself out there and trying to build the relationships I often will hear alumni say, oh, the one thing I wish I would have done was worked on my relationships more, right? So we always spend a lot of time. I mean, at the beginning of the program, we set goals with every writer that comes into the program. And almost always, one of the goals is like building relationships, right? And so we're always kind of reminding them and trying to find different ways. Like, if this isn't working for you this way, let's try it this way, right? So coming up with ideas of how to really help the writers reach those goals by the time that they leave the program. Well, to that point, do you encourage the writers while they're in the program to be actively kind of looking for opportunities, whether that's meeting with executives or reps or trying to find staffing opportunities? While they're in the program, we do set them up with a lot of informationals with execs within Nickelodeon. 
And while they're writing, we don't want them to necessarily be concerned about trying to find representation. We want them to really focus on doing the work to improve themselves. Towards the end of the program, we do set up meetings with them with different people and different opportunities for seeking representation. But we really want them to get their portfolios in shape and get to know them really well. So through all this whole development process, we're also getting to know them as writers, right? And kind of figuring out, oh, okay, I know they might be really good with this person or they might be good with that person, right? And so trying to really try to make be a matchmaker in that way. They shouldn't worry about that while they're in the program, right? I mean, towards the end of the program, we really, I know that's a very important piece of it. And so we will address that with them and really start to try to make that work for them. We advocate for not only the writers in our program, but all of our alumni and trying to find them work, keep them working, bring them back to Nick, or maybe it's somewhere else. One of the great benefits, I think, of being a part of a program like this is that you have people working for you almost, right? (laughs) So we don't want them to necessarily be concerned about that. Um, I think that's another reason why our program is strong and that we provide them full-time employment because we don't want them worrying about how are they going to make money next month, right? Like we're paying you to become a better writer, basically. Let's look at what comes after the program. And uh, you already touched on this uh, briefly, but how do you work with your studio and the industry at large to get those writers from your program staff following the program? So we are constantly working to build and maintain relationships with key decision makers within the studio and as well as with our alumni. We're always trying to play matchmaker with the writers and the alumni beyond the program and keep them top of mind for hiring within the studio. So we go like if there's opportunities that we hear about, we're always working with recruiting and they're really good about asking us, you know, oh, we're looking for this. Do you have any alumni that might be interested in this space or that have skills in this space or have stories to tell in this area? So it's very collaborative in that sense. And I think Nickelodeon has been really, really great and very supportive of keeping the alumni in the loop. Same goes, not just the program, right? Nickelodeon's really great about keeping interns in mind, right? We love homegrown talent at Nick. (laughs) So we're always trying to find ways to sort of keep people in the family if possible. And uh, how has the program kind of evolved and adapted over the years to suit the industry as it changes? You know, like I said, there's a base curriculum of how the program works and sort of it's tried and true elements. But there's also a lot of flexibility in there. And, you know, our team is very open-minded and really open to trying new things if something wasn't really working before. Also, I think there's something to be said for paying attention to the specific talent that comes into the program and saying, oh, okay, well, this person really could use a lot more help in this area. People at Nickelodeon are really supportive of the talent development programs. And so we can go to maybe animation development team and say, hey, you know, we could really use some pointers um, on animation 101, or they really need to go to the live action side and say, we have some writers here that really don't understand multicam, so let's have a multicam boot camp, right? So we have the flexibility into sort of like leaning into whatever the studio is kind of moving into. If there's some new style of shows that they're looking for, then we can kind of shift left or right, right? Saying, okay, great. 
that's what you need. Let's find a way to develop a program or a mini boot camp that we could work into what we're already doing to service those needs. And on that, what do you kind of see for the future of the Nickelodeon program and sort of the challenges that it might face? I think there's always challenges in that the the ever-changing landscape of the industry (laughs) sort of presents itself. So there's always things that we have to adapt to. And, you know, we're positioned quite well for that. We stay in constant communication, trying to understand what those changes are, right? There's a lot of digital coming through the pipeline now. So how do we pivot that to get writers that can also have those skills as well, right? And so we work with our friends over, you know, and our the rest of our family on the kids and family side over at Awesomeness, right? And we're doing a lot of stuff in that digital space, starting to build relationships with them and saying, you know, what is it that you need out of a writer that would help service you guys, right? And maybe we can start incorporating those kind of things into the program as well. So, And uh, who are some of the notable success stories to have come out of your program? Okay, I could go on forever about this because we're very proud of our alumni. I mean, currently, uh, which I think is the the most exciting, is that we have three alumni currently working at Nickelodeon on different projects. Josh Brown, Sarah Allen, Jeff Sayers. We love having them around. And well, when we were in the office, seeing them on a day-to-day basis, you can imagine like after you go through this program and we're seeing everybody for every day for, you know, a given amount of time, like we become really close with the people that come to the program. So that's always fun keeping them at Nick. Carla Sackis Shropshire was a, a writer in the program that was in on the Loud House writers room from early, very beginning of that show and moved all the way up to story editor. A couple of our faves, Jonathan Butler and Gabe Garza were in the program several years ago and became writing partners through the program and co-created Bella and the Bulldogs and are now co-EPs on The Flash. They're an exciting and really inspirational team. Mei Chan, who was a writer on Avatar, you know, she went off and was story editor on some really great animated shows and is a WGA award-winning EP. Jessica Gao, she's an Emmy award-winning writer on Rick and Morty and is now a head writer on Marvel's She-Hulk. I don't want to leave anybody out now that I started, um, but there's like Travis Braun is really great. And Jeff Trammell, who's story editor at Craig of the Creek, who have Carrie Grant and Ed Valentine, who are some uh, other award-winning writers that we have that have come out of the program. Some of our OG writers from back in the day, Rada Blank and Courtney Lilly, who's co-EP on Blackish. So Suffice to say that we have a pretty good roster of alumni, and I think really the greatest thing about each and every one of them really is that when we reach out to them and ask them to come back and talk to our writers or work with us or help us with our curriculum, they're all very willing to do that, all very giving and generous people and kind of makes our jobs easy in that respect. So (laughs) yeah, they're pretty awesome. We love our alumni. (laughs) Excellent. And uh, do you have any final advice for writers thinking about submitting uh, to your program? Final advice would be don't wait till the last minute to complete your submission. (laughs) It it breaks my heart and inevitably it happens every year. Someone will email and say, I was in the middle of doing my submission and the site cut off. And I'm like, yes, because the cutoff (laughs) is at midnight on August 1st and that's how the system is run, right? And there's really nothing I can do about it at that point. And I hate doing that. So please 
start early, finish early, give yourself time. There's four weeks really there for you to go in. And, you know, if you need to think about your short bio or your essay questions, there's plenty of time to do that. So please don't wait till lesson. <laughs> and would you mind just recapping the, the website and the social media, all that kind of stuff for the program, uh, as well as the opening and closing dates for our listeners? Sure. Um, our website is nickwriting.com. And our, we have a Facebook and a Twitter that we keep active and all of, all of the information will be on there as well. And you can find any new announcements or information about what we're doing. And um, Facebook is Nick Writing and Twitter is at Nick Writing. So easy to remember. The mission period opens July 1st and closes August 1st at midnight. All right. Well, before we go, don't forget that we are on Patreon. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Paper Team via our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll get exclusive content, opportunities, and merch, and we can keep producing a great show for you every week. So thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in, and thanks so much to Catherine for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us. And uh, you can get all the show notes for this episode, including all the links to the Nick writing program at paperteam.co slash 179. As a way, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. Program social media on Facebook is Nick Writing and Twitter is at Nick Writing. Great. Excellent. And uh, if you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes, you can always send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Next week, we're picking up again on our paper teas where our listeners send in teasers from their TV pilots and we give them feedback. So we're looking forward to that. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you next week. Catch you then.